Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, I'm going to wrap up the service. We started uh, five weeks ago called Goliath Must Fall. Goliath Must Fall. We're looking at the the age-old story of David and Goliath, only we're not looking at it as an um, underdog story. We are looking at it as, in its own context, that this is really a picture of the deliverance that God has already purchased for each and every one of us. He has brought about salvation for us through Jesus Christ. So in the story of David and Goliath, we're not necessarily David. I'm not going to encourage you guys to be uh, little Davids out there with your slings and your stones. Rather, Jesus took the form of a humble servant and uh, uh, <laughs> it's all good they're fellowshipping back there <laughs> having a good time having a good time <laughs> that's JT side okay are they as rowdy online that's what we need to know are they rowdy um, by the way if you're watching online that just reminds me um, uh, Clyde is uh, our, our online campus pastor and so let us know where you're watching from comment in the section there let us know let him know how he can be praying for you um, and uh, he connects with me throughout the week and it's our goal to minister to people who are watching online as well as we minister to people here we had like 80 people watching online last week and uh, one, of, one couple from Colorado Springs um, and uh, it was a couple that used to go to our church. I didn't even know they moved to Colorado Springs. Like they should, and they're living in color. Anyway, it's, it's awesome. So, um, so if you're watching online, let us know where you're watching from and how we can pray for you. And uh, we'll reach out to you um, through this, through the magic of the internets. Um, but in Goliath Must Fall, we've been dealing with different giants. So on the back of your sermon notes, there's a whole list of giants that you've missed. If you've missed the past five weeks, you can go online, get the podcast. But today I'm dealing with the final giant, the giant of addiction. Uh, this is a giant that many of us face that God has already defeated. God has already conquered. But we oftentimes live in bondage to stuff that's already been defeated because we don't understand the freedom that is available to us through Jesus. And so today, I know we're not going to solve every addiction story here. Um, I, I, I know it's not, it's not a 40-minute sermon um, uh, thing, which is why also this week we have small groups meeting about this very topic. So um, on the back of your sermon notes, there's a list of small groups. Find one and go to it. It'll be awesome. But today I do want to start uh, down the journey. I want, to, I, want to, I want to start hacking away at the giant of addiction in our life. And I know as soon as I talk about addiction, um, you know, some people's uh, 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 guards go up, right? Because um, it's like um, there are major addictions that everybody knows are wrong, or at least most people do. And um, generally, these are not the kinds of things we talk about in church. It's not the kind of things that we explore. And so today I'm going to talk about some of the major addictions, but I'm also going to talk about the fact that I think that many of us in this room, if not all of us, on some level deal with addiction. Um, on some level, I think most of us do. And so there are major addictions, right? Like, uh, like drugs, um, meth, uh, cocaine, uh, the lighter, more acceptable Austinite drug of, of marijuana. Um, there are, you know, nat the natural way. Um, there are those kinds of addictions. Those addictions are real. 
Those addictions are crippling. Uh, they are destructive to your health and to your family and to really just even getting a job. Much of the work we've done on the streets of Austin, um, it's, it's a stereotype, but really many of the conversations I have with folks living on the streets, they got there because of their addiction and they couldn't afford to pay for their addiction and their addiction robbed them of their family, it robbed them of their job and now they're sleeping on the side of the road looking for a handout. It's serious addictions. And uh, there was a story I read about just this week about, about a lady whose family staged uh, sort of an intervention. She thought she was going to one meeting and instead uh, there was her husband, her sister, I think, uh, her three teenage uh, kids. Um, and they all were telling her how much her addiction was destroying their family. Uh, the 14-year-old the, the girl brought out a trash bag that she had found in the garage full of, of beer cans and uh, prescription um, pills, uh, pre prescription uh, containers. The pills were all gone. And, uh, and said, why do you love these more than me? And it's not, that, I don't believe that that mo mother really loves those things more than her kids, but, but the addiction that she has to those things, both you know illegal drugs and prescription drugs, uh, that, that, that can develop from an injury and from all kinds of things. It, it, the addiction to it will eventually tear your family apart, will tear your life apart. So there are some major addictions, uh, sex uh, addictions of all kinds, um, addiction to pornography, uh, which is rampant in our, in our generation. It's just so, so common. Uh, and those are destructive, and we don't we, we don't even we don't even call some of those destructive. There's addiction to to alcohol. There's 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 addiction to alcohol. There's addiction uh, to to those major kinds of chemicals, those kinds of things. But there are other kinds of addictions. There are some people that uh, that, that 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 when they feel down, they don't uh, shoot up anything or smoke anything or swallow anything or sniff anything, but rather they go to Amazon and they order things. And they have boxes piled up in their house that they've never even opened because they didn't buy it because they needed it or even necessarily wanted it. They bought it because they felt bad and when they bought something, they felt better. And I'm not saying that those are the, you can't, all addictions are not the same. You can't stick them side by side, but all addictions are crippling. All addictions are devastating. And they do take a toll. So, so some of us are addicted. I think they call that, what, what's the socially acceptable term for that? It's the uh, 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 therapy, um, uh, shop, shopping, shopping therapy. Retail therapy, that's it. Uh, you know, you go into Target and uh, you go to spend $5 and you spend $500. You know, you can't control. You don't have control. That, that's what an addiction is. It's, an, it's something that steals the ability of you to be able to make choices and decisions. It's like you can't control. Some of us in here are addicted to sugar. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, you don't think you are, but you try going a week without it. If you can't go a week without something and it's not like food or water or, you know, you, 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 you're probably addicted to it. And many of us, I mean, this is a serious epidemic where we, we have diabetes ravaging our body and we still keep eating more of the stuff than we know that we should because it's almost like we can't help it. Why? Because we're addicted. Some of us are addicted to social media. 
Nobody here, though. Nobody here struggles with that. Nobody. Uh, but it's, 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 it, it's, a real, it's a real thing. Because some of it, because this is the thing. Like, some of us, yeah, it's like we, we turn to, to, to a bottle or we turn to a drug. But some of us turn to approval of other people when we feel bad. And so we'll post a picture on Instagram and we'll wait, you know. And we'll wait. Refresh, got to refresh. Maybe the, you know, it's like, and, and, and it's like that light comes through or that comment comes through or that, that little love heart thing comes through, you know, and it just kind of makes us feel a little bit better for the moment and we're addicted to it. It's the first thing we look at when we wake up. It's the last thing we look at when we go to bed. It's throughout the day, every break, and even when we're not supposed to be on break when we're at work, you know what I'm saying? We're checking it and we're checking it and we're checking it and we can't even imagine going a week without it. That means you're addicted. That's addiction to social media. To some of us are addicted. Um, look, this is this is a real life example. I was I was talking to I was talking to my kids just Friday. Today's Sunday, so Friday is the Fleming Family Fun Day. Friday where we go do fun things. We don't do any work on Friday. Um, I don't really. If you call me, I probably won't answer most of the time. I just you know unless if if, if I'm available, I will. But but we set this time aside for our family. We really try not to schedule any meetings. And uh, one thing that our family that we do, we've been doing for like a year and a half is we've been going to gymnastics. So like a year and a half, two years ago, Madden, my oldest, she really wanted to be in gymnastics. She's terrible at gymnastics, but she really had a heart for it. She's just like me, poor girl. Like she can't control her body very well. She has this, you know, like it's, I, I couldn't do a cartwheel until I was like 12, you know, the 12 year old guy doing cartwheels, just finally figured it out. Uh, it's just, we're not that coordinated. That's why I don't dance. I went to Mia's, Mia's uh, birthday last week and I did not get on the dance floor because uh, I'm, I'm white and that's bad enough. But then, then I'm I, like, I'm, I'm all the way white. It's just, there's, it just goes through. Whiteness just continues. And uh, JT, JT, JT can testify. It's just, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like my body doesn't do what I want it to do. And, and so Madden, but bless her heart. She just, she was determined. She, she loved it. And she worked really, really hard at it. Like she's just like me. She's, she's, she's practicing handstands, you know, up against the wall in the living room all the time. And, and all this kind of thing. Meanwhile, Micah, he was in karate at that time because karate's manly. So he's a five-year-old at that time. And he's, he's kicking things. He's, he's punching things, kicking things. I mean, he's breaking stuff. And, and he was enjoying it. So Micah had his karate on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then Madden had her, had, had her gymnastics on Fridays. And then like about a year ago, Micah got into gymnastics, which made things a lot easier. So we didn't have to go to two places. And so now the tradition is me and the kids um, go to gymnastics on Friday morning. We go to Starbucks first for a coffee for dad. Then we go to gymnastics. And then it's like, it's like an hour. Then we go back to Starbucks for another coffee for dad and some treats for the kids. And we take turns because they always have to share a treat. So we remember who picks because the kid who picks, the other kid gets to pick which half they get. Anyway, it's a, it's a whole little deal. And we're driving Friday morning on our way to gymnastics. And both the kids in the back seat said, dad, we decided we don't want to do gymnastics anymore. I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> kind of like gymnastics. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, you know, hey, if I don't, if I, if I can save 75 bucks a month, um, 
I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, but you know, I said, well, kids, you know, how come? Like, like, like I, I, I said, look, mom and I can talk. I'm not against canceling gymnastics, but I just want to know, I want to make sure you're doing it for a good reason. Like, why do you want to quit gymnastics? And so Micah pipes up first. He's our six year old. And he says, well, the only reason I got into gymnastics was because I was really bored sitting there with you, dad, watching Madden in gymnastics with all the parents, I was bored and I thought it might be fun to get in there and to play and to do it with them. He's six, but he's like, he's really smart. Like the kid's like really articulate. And I thought to myself, I thought, man, like that is so, uh, that is so Micah. That is Micah. Micah is, is a clone of his mom, Rowena. And um, if there's one thing that I know about Ro and Micah is that they would rather sign up for something that they don't know if they're going to like it or not than sit around and do nothing. Like they would just rather just, just I don't know, I'll try it, beats doing nothing. You know, and, and, and so Micah's like, that's the only reason he did it. Like there's no goals in mind, no, no future in it. He's not going to go to the Olympics. He just didn't want to do nothing. That's it. I'm paying 75 bucks, bucks a month for him to not do nothing. And so I'm like, okay, all right, all right, Micah, that's cool. Well, Madden, why don't you want to do gymnastics anymore? And she said, well, Dad, the only reason why I got into gymnastics is because I really wanted to get that gold medal. At the end of the year, at the end of the year, they give out these gold medals. Like you, they had the ceremony in December. And like, if you, if you graduate it, if you do all the stuff right, then you get this gold medal. Well, the first year she didn't quite graduate it. So she got like this little silver medal. And so this year she got a gold medal. She said, Dad, the only reason I was doing it because I really wanted the gold medal. Now I have a gold medal, so I'm done. <laughs> and you might not think this relates to addiction, but it really does because I was talking to the kids and I wasn't even thinking about my sermon, but I said, Micah, look, here's, here's like, I don't mind us quitting gymnastics. I'm not going to force my kids to do gymnastics, but I'm, but it's just like, you are addicted to activity. You're addicted to busyness. You can't, just sit. You can't just, you, you're, you're, you're addicted to something new. I, I said, which is great, Micah, because you're a straight starter. Like you will make a great church planner. You just won't make a good pastor because you start it, but you, like God wants to make you not just a good starter, but God wants to make you a good finisher. And this is the problem. Many of us are addicted to starting things and new things and new relationships and new cars and new houses and new locations and new churches. Come on, somebody. And new neighborhoods and new cities and new. And it's like, it's like as soon as the new smell wears off of whatever it is we're doing, we got to get the new smell back. I need to have a, a new thing going on. I need to have a, a new update. I need to have a new moment. I need to have new. It's like we're addicted. We can't just be faithful because we're addicted to new. We're addicted to now. We're addicted to step into something different. I tried karate for six months. Now I'm trying gymnastics. Now I'm going to try something else. Then I'm going to try something else. And he's, he's going to run out of stuff to do by the time he's eight. You know what I'm saying? Like we're going to be working on his cello skills and I don't know what else. I mean, what, I mean, the, Dallas got a whole orchestra. I guess we could go through all the instruments if he likes. I don't know. But I, but I said, man, you, you got to learn to be faithful to something. You got to learn to finish something. You know, like just get a medal. I don't care if it's gold, silver, bronze, something. I mean, you know, where Micah, on the other hand, she's, or Madden, she's more like me. Madden uh, is addicted to accomplishment. So as, so as soon as she accomplishes that thing, so she's got a goal, right? She doesn't just join gymnastics because she doesn't have anything to do. She's joining because she wants that gold medal. There's a goal. 
And man, she is like, she's my child. Like she is my kid. I know exactly the struggle. The struggle is real. I know what it is to be addicted to accomplishment, to be addicted to, I gotta get that promotion. I gotta get that position. I gotta get that level. I gotta get that girl. And I got her, I gotta get, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> accomplishment. And the problem with addiction to accomplishments, there's always new accomplishments. I gotta get that number in the bank account. And then, well, no, I really gotta get that number in the bank. And then I gotta get that vehicle. And man, if I were driving that vehicle and I'm gonna work hard and we, we, we're, we're the type, we'll stay up late, we'll get up early, we'll get it done, we'll get the gold medal and we'll turn the lights off, we'll go home. We got it. We did what we came to do, we got it. Why? Because we're addicted to accomplishment. And as soon as we accomplish something, then we're out. And I said, man, man, and you gotta learn, like life is not just a series of accomplishments. It's not just a series of targets. It's not a series of destinations. There's this thing called a journey and Ro is really good at enjoying it. Micah is really good at enjoying it. And you and I are terrible at this. Like we gotta learn somehow to have joy just in doing something because we're doing something that we enjoy doing. It doesn't always have to be a purpose. It doesn't always have to be a payout. That doesn't all, cause if, cause I've been married for a little while and not everything gets a payout. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just do stuff because it's the right thing to do. And you gotta learn to enjoy the journey. But the addiction of accomplishment will just drive you to always accomplish something new. And, and I feel like those are some sort of lighter addictions that some of us didn't even really think that we had. But I'm telling you, all of us, I think on some level, struggle with addiction because we are all created to be addictive beings. And so whoever said moderation in everything, uh, which Dallas and I have talked about, it's, it sounds good on the surface. It, it's great on paper, but it doesn't work with humans because humans are not moderate beings. We are addictive beings because we were created by God for God to be obsessed constantly with God. We were created to never get enough of him. And also we were created not just to be in this really intimate relationship with God. We were created to be in an intimate relationship with somebody else. It's, that's the Garden of Eden. There was, there was Adam and Eve and God. And God said, I'm going to, and, and, and they weren't two singles, the two single people like speed dating. They weren't, like they, they started off, like they met each other and got married, Adam and Eve. Why? Because, because we were created for that kind of relationship that never gets old, that never wears off. Not for something new all the time, not for a different flavor of the month, but we were created for a deep passion that is never truly fulfilled. It's just continually fed. And so it's, it's a bit naive of us to imagine that we can now approach life and say, oh, I'm going to approach everything in moderation when truthfully our very nature is bent toward obsession. We will be obsessed with something. We will be addicted to something question is, are we addicted to the right things? Because there's good addiction. There's God addiction. There's addicted to your wife. There's addicted to, 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 to feeding and taking care of your kids. There's, there's addiction to ministry. I have, a, I have an addiction to helping people. I have an addiction to seeing people saved and delivered. And, and I, 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 I just love it. That's, that's the, what addiction is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring you in and, and, and keep you going. But there's the other kind of addiction that holds us back. And in the story of David and Goliath, you might say, well, there's no addiction in the story of David and Goliath. And that's um, true. 
True enough, but there are some principles that I think would help us with addiction. And so if we could go to First uh, Samuel chapter 17, uh, we're going to start with the, the, the passage, uh, verse 31, that when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. So David comes to the battle. David starts asking questions. Hey, what, what's the prize for, for beating Goliath? And by the way, how come nobody's, a, nobody's stepped up to the plate? And so uh, people told the king, Saul, that, hey, there's this kid asking these serious questions. And so Saul sends for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. That's the, that was the main line of our first Sunday. Let no man's heart fail because of the giant. The giant in your life does not have to cause you to fail, does not have to cause your heart to fail. But you got to get your heart back. You got to get your, 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 your desire for God back. David says, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him for you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. Just looking at that statement for just a minute, Saul's rebuttal to David is, you don't have the correct experience. You're not a fighter. And this is exactly what addiction says to us. As the past five weeks, I've been preaching about freedom. I've been preaching about the power of God. And just when you start to get your hopes up, there's another giant in the room called addiction who says, yeah, well, you've tried this before. You've tried to get free of this addiction. If it is a major addiction like drugs or, or alcohol, you've tried to get free from that and that didn't work. And the, 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 the problem is addiction always has, has, the, has the upper hand when talking about this history. David can't argue with the fact that, yeah, he's about 17 years old at this point. And it's true. He's never actually even been in a fist fight as far as we know. And so his history does not suggest victory. And that's true. And he doesn't even try to argue that point. And for many of us dealing with addiction, whether it's addiction to social media, addiction to approval, addiction to uh, uh, busyness, we have tried and tried and tried we, 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 to get free of this, right? We watched Dr. Phil. Uh, we, we, we read a self-help book. We got, that, we got those cool little uh, memes on Facebook that fired us up for 30 seconds. But, but and even, even as Pastor Harry's been preaching about these giants, we've been going to small groups about it. Yeah, we're going to do it. And we're going we're gonna to walk in the freedom that God has, has already established for us. But it's so hard sometimes to trust God's ability in our life when the enemy questions our ability. And he comes at us and he says, yeah, but you still aren't free of this. Yeah, but you are still doing this. Yeah, but you are still in bondage to this. In many, many cases, the giant of addiction is not the giant that's in the valley. He's a giant that comes alongside you when you are contemplating going into the valley and stops you from ever getting into the valley. And he says, your history does not... Uh, look like victory. So going on to the next verse, he says, he's a, he's a man of war, you're not. But David said to him, well, this is part of my history, that your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it rose against me, I caught its beard and killed it, struck and killed it as well. That's, that's not um, uncommon, by the way. This is very common for shepherds to have these kinds of stories. So he's just telling him, in my line of work, man, I'm a shepherd. This is, these are some things that have happened to me. 
Um, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, he says, because he has defied the armies of the living God. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But he's, he's drawing a conclusion here that since the Philistine has, he's not basing his victory on what he has done. He's basing his victory on what the giant has done. He says, I'm going to win, not because I'm a great warrior, but because this guy has defied the armies of the living God. That's why I'm going to win. He's not basing his victory on, on his track record. He's basing his victory on what the giant is currently doing in his life. And I would suggest to you that one of the ways that we can talk back to the giant of addiction when he says, yeah, but you don't have the track record, you can honestly say that I am not attacking the giant of fear. I am not believing God for freedom over the giant of rejection or the giant of complacency or the giant, uh, whatever giant, other giants, we, anger we talked about last week. I'm not believing for those based on what I have done. I am believing for freedom over those things based on what those giants are currently doing to me and to God's glory in my life. They have defied the living God. And the Lord who delivered me, he said, it wasn't even me who did it. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And David said, go and the Lord be with you. Sounds like a, sounds like a good challenge. Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go on to the next verse because the very next verse, it sounds like Saul is sending David and he is, but in the very next, he says, go, like, like, let's go. I believe in you right now. Let's go for it. Go and the Lord be with you. Do we have the next verse? Nice. So Saul, after he said go, he said, oh, hold on a second. And he clothed David with his armor, uh, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. That's a, a bronze uh, uh, armoring. Uh, the, 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 the armor initially would have been his tunic, his undergarments. The coat of mail would have been the outer metal stuff that he put on. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. This is, I think, the best picture of the giant of addiction right here. The giant of addiction is not the giant who's in the valley. He's not anger. He's not fear. He's not rejection. He's not comfort or complacency. Rather, he's the giant that meets you when you're getting ready to go out against the giant of fear. And he says, okay, okay, okay. that's great. But before you do, you need some covering. This is what addiction does. It's an attempt to cover. You need some protective gear. You need something because, dude, like that, 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 that giant's big and bad. And, and you know, uh, uh, you're not just going to walk out there bare-chested, you know, with a little, little mini tunic skirt thing on that the, the shepherd boy would have wore because the first thing he throws at you is just going to just go right through your chest and you're going to be pinned to the ground. So you need some protective gear. And Saul says, let me give you my armor, which we know Saul was much taller than David, so he wouldn't naturally, wouldn't even fit. But he says, let me give you this because you need something to protect you. And that's what addiction does. Addiction says, yes, yes, yes. Let's take out the giant of anger. But as soon as you start to feel angry, it says, whoa, 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 I need to, I, I, I need to protect myself from this anger that's rising up inside of me. Some of us are addicted to food, not even just sugar, just food in general. 
There's one guy I was talking to and he was saying that when he was really stressed, he would eat, you know, four or five hamburgers for lunch. And it didn't make any sense to me because I thought if I'm hungry, I eat four. Uh, no, I never eat four actually. If I'm hungry, I eat two Whataburgers for lunch, maybe. If I'm starving, but if I'm stressed, that's not, that's not a stomach thing. Like stress and food, stress and f- He's not eating because he's hungry. He's eating because he's trying to armor himself against the stress that's attacking his life. The anger is rising up in his life. And the only way that he can control it is by going to the fast food joint and getting four or five burgers and feeling, feeling full because it feels good to eat something tasty. It feels good to feel full. And that's how we try to protect ourselves. So much of the addictions that we have, whether they're major addictions like drugs, prescription medications, or even little things like busyness or activity or uh, social media, it's an attempt to shield ourselves from those giants that we don't wanna feel the effect of. We say, I need, I need a covering. I need something to block, you know, the, the, the fiery darts of anger or the fiery darts of fear, right? And so, and so, I, so I have some liquid courage because that, that helps me get, get out there a little more. Helps me be a little more sociable because it, it, just, it, just, it just gives me a little bit more strength to face my fears. A little more, a little more power. Look, look, man, I, I can tell you from personal experience, the giant of rejection if you want to shield yourself from the giant of rejection, just become addicted to accomplishments. Because then you got proof that you are worthy. Then you got that gold medal, as Madden was saying. Then you got something on your wall. Then you got something to show for the fact that, yes, in fact, you ought to not be rejected because you are valuable because look what I accomplished. But that's the, the, this is what addiction does. It comes in and it says, yeah, 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 go face the giant. But first, you got to shield yourself, man. You got to protect your heart. The giant of addiction does not come at your face. It wraps around your chest. And he fastens that thing to him and protects himself. It's a defensive mechanism. It had nothing to do with taking down the giant. Saul didn't give him an AK-47. He gave him a, a giant shield to strap onto his body. Imagining that the giant's going to take the first hit and probably the second hit and the third hit and the fourth. And if you're just going, you're going to have to keep taking hits for the rest of your life, little kid. You're going to go down there in the valley and the, this giant of anger is going to beat you up. And this giant of rejection is going to beat you up. So you need a little something so you can survive the beating. And this is the burn though. This is, it's like rejection, rejection comes at you, anger comes at you, and, and, and the giant of addiction says, all right, all right, I'll, don't worry, I'll protect you, I'll protect you. And it doesn't really protect you because you never actually get in the valley. When David put it on, the original Hebrew, Hebrew word there, he says he tried to walk. The actual Hebrew word says he was determined and, and, and set in his heart to walk and to go. Like it wasn't just, eh, you know, Micah tries on new shoes all the time. He's like, I don't like, I, these, these aren't, these don't fit. And I'm like, they, they do fit. Sh- shut up, tie them and just go. And they don't feel right. Yeah, yeah. Like the kid won't wear blue jeans because they don't feel right. And uh, I'm like, come on, man, they feel fine. That's what blue jeans feel like. You got sacrifice for beauty. You know what I'm saying? You know, get some skinny jeans, get some uncomfortable shoes and just rock it out. That's what you're supposed to do. Just deal with it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but 
that's not. <laughs> I gotta, you look good. Who cares how it feels? I don't care how it feels. You care how it feels? Nobody knows. <sighs> Giant of rejection talking again. Okay. Uh, and so I said, man, like, you know, it, it doesn't feel right. No, this is not, this is what, not what David did. He tried really hard to walk. He was determined. It was an honor to wear the king's stuff. This was not some little thing. He was no longer Mr. Shepherd Boy now. He was a designated warrior for the people of Israel. And he said, I'm going to wear this with pride. And I'm going to put this on. And it's, it's going it's to be great. And he tried to walk. But he couldn't walk. And that's what addiction does. Addiction is great for protection. Because it works. For a moment. It works. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. It, it alleviates something. It, it soothes something. It heals something for a minute. But it stops us from walking. We never get out of the tent. We stay self-medicating in the tent with Saul, planning on attacking these giants in our lives, and we never get around to it because we can, literally cannot move. The giant of addiction wraps itself around us and insulates us. Yeah, from the fiery darts of fear for a moment. But the giant of fear never leaves our life. The plan of the giant of, of addiction is to keep you right where you're at. And you just keep weathering and another hit and another hit and you take another hit and you take another hit and you take another, hey, 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 you're not dead, right? I mean, isn't it great? We survived another year. Isn't it great? We survived another anniversary. Isn't it great? We survived another, and, and we're, we're surviving all right and we're barely living and we're barely breathing. And meanwhile, God isn't getting glory from our lives. Meanwhile, we are not being all that God's created us to be. Meanwhile, the calling of God on our life is laying on the side of the road while we just take hit after hit after hit after hit. The whole purpose of, of addiction is just to get you comfortable and satisfied with the fact that you survive. Whatever doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. No, sometimes it makes you more willing to just keep taking hits. At some point you have to say, you know what? I serve the living God. I serve the living God. And, and while the term living God for us, I mean, it's a biblical term. It's a nice poetic way of describing Jehovah. Uh, but for David and for the Hebrews, this term living God was not just a, another word for referencing God. This was specifically stating that he is the God unlike other gods. Other gods are sort of supposed to be in their throne somewhere or up in heaven somewhere or down in hell somewhere or roaming around. But rather, God is the living God. He is the God who is actively involved in my life. He is the God who is actively here. He's not just the God of history and he's not just the God who's going to come someday on a white horse. He is here right now. He is actively involved in my life. And this is what addiction removes from us. It removes from us the reality that God is here right now. God is powerful right now. God is able to release us of everything that is holding us back right now. It, it, it holds us in the tent and we never see the power of God in our life because we never step into the valley. And you, you, you are not going to defeat what you won't face. You are, you are not going to defeat what you won't face. And addiction keeps you from facing 
your fear, your anger, your rejection, your spirit of comfort and complacency. Addiction keeps you from facing the stuff because every time it comes at you, addiction shields you and so that, so that you, don't, you don't feel it. If you face it, you'll feel it. And we're so afraid of feeling it. We're so afraid of feeling it. But David wrote a psalm in Psalm 56. Now I'd like to close with this. Psalm 56 is a psalm of David uh, that he wrote. And this is the Passion Translation it's called. It's really very much a paraphrase, but I just like the way that they put it. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's Psalm 56, verse uh, 4. Um, and then we're going to skip down um, to uh, verses uh, uh, 8 uh, through 13. This is what David said, and I want you to to adopt this as your mantra as you face the giants in your life. David said, what harm could a giant bring to me? (laughs) What harm could man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart and I will always triumph as I trust his promises. Your, your triumph is predicated on your trust. Trust and triumph go together. They are, they are connected. This is why when you enter into the valley of Allah in your own life, this is why when you're facing giants in your own life and, and believing God for victory over them, you have to really believe God for victory over them, not believe you. This is not a self-help, uh, power yourself up, get ready to go. No, no, no. My triumph is linked to my trust. How well I am trusting is, is going to reveal how much I am triumphing. And if you say that you trust in God, but you're living in defeat, then you're not really trusting in God because when you trust in God, that's when you see triumph in your life. It is not by might. It's not by power. It is by his spirit. It's by the spirit of God that we get victory, that we see fruit happen in our life and in our ministries and in our family. It is the spirit of God. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing of God that breaks the yoke of bondage over our life. And when David was laying off that armor, he was basically saying, look, I understand you're trying to protect me. I'm not as interested in protection as I am interested in victory. I want to see God get glory for my life and I am willing to face what I am afraid of, what I don't want to feel. I am willing to face it because I trust that God in his promises are good enough for me. Verse 8, it says, you've kept track of my wandering and my weeping. (laughs) That's why I say you, you are not on plan B or plan C. God has kept track of your wandering and your weeping. You stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost. You've caught them all. They've all been recorded in your book of remembrance. The very moment I called you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This is the, this is the key to victory is to call on God. The very moment I call on him, the tide turns and I feel like I'm losing. I feel like I don't know what I'm going to do because addiction, even after you start to beat it, will say, well, how are you going to keep this up exactly? What's going to happen when this happens? What's going to happen when when this event occurs? What's going to happen this summer? How are you going to keep this? And, and, And this is what David said. He says, the very moment I call to God for help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God God is on my side. Would you say that with me? God is 
on my side. Let's say it again. It's got to sink into your spirit just a little bit because the giant of addiction has been questioning this very statement in your life. The Bible says God is on my side. I trust in the Lord and I praise him. I start thanking him before I even see the accomplishment of what it is I'm asking him to do. I trust in the word of God and I praise him. What harm can man do to me with God on my side? I will not be afraid of what comes against me. My heart overflows with praises to God for his promises, not for his performance, for his promises. I praise him on the promise. I praise him on the promise. I don't even praise him. I don't wait for it to happen to praise him. I praise him on the promise. I praise him just on the fact that he told me that he was going to be with me, that he would never leave me or forsake me. I haven't even walked past this giant of anger or fear or rejection yet, but I, I, I praise him on the fact that he promised that he is on my side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I praise him for the promise. I praise him on credit. I, sw I swipe the card of my praise uh, believing that something is in the, in the account, believing that he's going to come through for me, believing that he's going to make a way where there is no way. I praise him for his promises and I always will trust in him. So I'm thanking him with all of my heart, with gratitude for all that you've done, Lord. I will, I will do. Why don't you say this to the giant of, of addiction in your life? I will do everything I've promised to the Lord because that's the giant of addiction right there. You said, and you said, and you said, and you said, but you didn't do. But David says, I will do everything I've promised. What, you mean you're gonna be perfect? No, David definitely wasn't perfect. But he said, I will do everything I have promised. For you have saved my soul from death and my feet from stumbling so that I can walk. I couldn't walk with Saul's armor on. I couldn't walk with other people's expectations on. I couldn't walk with, it didn't fit. It was unfit for me. It just didn't, it, I couldn't move because of this addiction that was keeping me bound. I thought it was keeping me sheltered, but it was keeping me shackled and I couldn't move. And, but when, when, when he came and saved my soul from death and my feet from stumbling, then he enabled me to walk before the Lord bathed in his life-giving light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. And if you need freedom from addiction, whether it's massive or minuscule, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. God is speaking to me. I need freedom from some of these things. Yeah, that's awesome. Why don't, why don't, why don't you say this right where you're at? God is on my side. <laughs> you know what, if, if you, if, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So just confess the sin right now, the thing, whatever it is that's holding you back. Sometimes addiction isn't even, a, the thing's not a sin, but the fact that you're addicted to it, that's the sin. The fact that you turn to it, that's the sin. So let's confess that to him right now. Lord, in our own way, in our own private, we're not 
publicizing this, but we, we're, we're confessing different things. And you know exactly what that is, and you don't condemn us, but we confess our sin right now. You are faithful. The Bible says you are faithful to forgive us every single time, no matter how many times we confess. You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to, to allow us to take it off, to take off this thing that we've been leaning on, believing on, wrapping ourselves with, to take off this covering. It doesn't fit. It wasn't made for us. It is not our true self. Messianic Jew, uh, a, a commentator wrote about this passage that God has two primary ex expectations of us. Number one, to be spiritual and number two, to be genuine. These addictions keep us from being genuine, from being honest, from being vulnerable. We wrap ourselves with them to make us feel and look like we think we ought to feel and look, but we are not being true to who you've created us to be, Lord. So we take them off right now like a jacket. We take them off and we set them down. And I challenge, I, I, I just feel like, I, I feel like sometimes there's, there's the prayer, but then there's also the, the practice. If God's revealed something to you that is an addiction in your life, whether it's bad or if it's just good for everybody else, but deadly for you, <laughs> that's what an addiction is. I challenge you, what if you made a commitment today that for the next, that until Easter, you're gonna set that thing down. I'm not saying I'm gonna be able to set it down forever. I'm not saying I'm gonna be able to never pick it back up. I don't know. But what if you, what if you just set it down and try to walk without it? till Easter. It's like four weeks, four, it's three Sundays from now. What if you made a commitment to set it down and see what it's like to walk without that around you, hanging on you? And so Lord, we do that actually. I, I, I challenge you if you, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying you, you, you have to, you've got to pray and then you got to practice. And this is the practice just to lay it down by God's grace and with his help I'm gonna lay this thing down. And if I pick it back up tomorrow, I'm gonna to lay it down again until I'm able to try walking without it. Sometimes we, we never get free because we never experience what it's like, how easy it is to walk without it. That thing we think we can't live with without. That Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is or purchasing. What if, what if you say, I'm not gonna make any non-food related purchases for the next three weeks. What, I mean, I don't know what your addiction is, but if you tried walking without it, see how much better you can move. Hmm. Lord, give us the, the power to take this off. Because if this doesn't come off, we never get in the valley. We never take out our, we never move forward. All the other giants keep laughing at us because we're self-medicating in the tent with Saul. Take this off today in Jesus' name.